It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello and welcome back to another episode of RSL Sundays. I am Alex, joined by absolutely nobody because my co-host Ethan Kershaw is on paternity leave. We have made a RSL Sundays has transferred $500 million in GAM to the heavens in return for one Luciana Joel Kershaw, who has joined our roster for the upcoming season. I have been told that everyone is happy and healthy, so shout out Ethan on this major life accomplishment. He is not here today, but he was able to go to the LAFC match, saw him in the press box. We had a great little chat about all sorts of things. Uh, unfortunately, not much RSO because there just you know, wasn't a whole lot to talk about. But no, Ethan's doing great. Everyone, please go wish him and his wife and their daughter are all doing great as well. Everyone, please go wish him a congratulations and a pat on the back uh, on Twitter if you if you see him moseying around over there on your feed so ethan we miss you here but we are so glad and so happy for you uh i myself alex uh didn't have a baby this week but i did play well not play i coached my u13 team in the murray max tournament and they lost four to one in the finals so i have a little bit of experience in pablo's shoes i've tried to walk a mile or at least as far as i can and let me just say that i was extremely grateful that i did not have to put myself in front of a press conference of annoying wide-eyed early 20 somethings you know that think they know a lot more than they do asking prying questions when my job is uh under immense scrutiny after after a major loss at home so shout out my cfc team they did great even though they came up a little short in the finals super proud of them they're the best we played a 4-2-3-1 and we got overrun in the midfield and i don't really know what to do to fix it you know so if you have any ideas let me know. I, I would love to go with the three four three, like I've been telling RSL to do for so long. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Do we have the center backs for it? I'm not sure. We're gonna have to find out. Somebody's gonna have to play back there that doesn't want to, and that's just the way things go. But as I said, it is just me on the podcast today, so don't worry about following Ethan or the Hive Sports on Twitter. Just follow at Alex Mauer. If uh, Dan or Ethan listens to this, uh, they get mad about that. They should have come on the pod themselves and plugged their own Twitter handles, and maybe it wouldn't have come out this way, but here we are. For the episode today, we still have a pretty full show despite the lack of co-hosts on this episode, and we shall start off, as we always do, with one pod trivia. And the question for this week is as such, and you, the listener, are the contestant on today's show. What is the highest attended home match in RSL history? I'll let you think on it. Think a little bit longer if you need to. Take your time, pause the episode, really go through it. It was this one. It was this match against the LAFC with 21,810 in attendance. Asterix, there probably wasn't that many actually in the building, but that many tickets were sold. We'll wait to see the actual ticket number later today. This was the largest crowd in Rio Tinto Stadium history, and boy howdy, did it feel like that for many stretches of this match. The home crowd was loud. The away crowd was probably louder for a lot of this game. But at least we got one really good cheer in when Sergio Cordova scored a great little finish. And that's pretty much all I could ask for is somebody that, uh, you know, really 
lives and dies RSL. One thing that I hate is when we have a really big match at home and we lose it because I have to go home thinking that that was many people's first times going to an RSL game. And I would just hate for them to have a really boring, dull experience. So even if we're going to lose 4-1, at least it's better than losing 3-0, in my opinion, because we got one like really good cheer in. And hopefully people remember that and really enjoy that cheer and really get their money's worth. But yeah, that's kind of the precursor for the episode. Things didn't actually, well, maybe they did go as planned for most of us, but things didn't go as well as they could have against LAFC, but we'll get into that later. First up, we have our Monarchs Minute, which, you know, without Ethan to hold me in check, this might go for quite a while, but I guess we'll see how I do. So take out your stopwatches and you time me because, well, Ethan never does anyway, so I guess we'll just see how I do. The Real Monarchs have played twice since we last spoke, and first they faced off with the San Jose Earthquakes 2 and lost 3-1 despite a very first-team heavy lineup. The lineup featured a number of first-teamers, including goalkeeper Tomas Gomez, Eric Holt, Diego Luna, and Rubio Rubin. Diego Luna played primarily on the left wing, which is in a row we haven't seen him much in for RSL, and frankly, none of the first-teamers looked particularly good. The team as a whole looked pretty, pretty bad. But the Monarchs would then go on to play and beat the Vancouver Whitecaps 3-1 at home in Harriman with goals coming from Tyrone Mondi and 17-year-old Taron Williams times two. First-teamer Zach Farnsworth played 45 minutes in this game and looked solid as he continues his return from an injury layoff that sidelined him for over a year. Congrats to Zach. The Monarchs also signed 18-year-old and Panamanian U-20 defender Omar Alba. Alba comes from the Panamanian top flight, where he has made 46 appearances across all competitions, so keep an eye out for that. And that is all I have for today for the Monarchs. I hope I got it in in time. And for our next segment, we have a little bit of club news to go over. Since we last spoke, the transfer window has come and gone. And with that, RSL made three deadline day moves. Well, I guess one of them was technically deadline day eve, but the other two were deadline day uh, extravaganza signings. We signed Danny Musovsky from LAFC, a winger slash number nine, who was probably sixth on their depth chart, fifth maybe for those positions, if we're being generous, for like $250,000 in GAM, which if you remember the David Ochoa deal, we got $75,000 in GAM guaranteed in that deal. So if you ever really have to remind yourselves that we got fleeced on that, well, we kind of fleeced ourselves. Um, and, you know, I've spent so much time thinking about it, I won't go over it here. But we got Danny Musovsky from LAFC. We got Brian Ojeda from Nottingham Forest, who is a U-22 designation midfielder and defensive midfielder, I think, I hope. And then we got Brian Oviedo, an old Costa Rican left back who hasn't played a club minute in some time. And that is unfortunately a theme for these signings. It was one RSL Bob, if I'm not mistaken, that tweeted out this wonderful little tidbit about their playing time. And it's not exactly positive. Danny Musovsky, 507 minutes played for LAFC in 2022. Okay. Brian Ojeda, 237 minutes played for Forrest in 2021-2022. Oviedo has played zero club minutes for Copenhagen, which is, I guess, his most recently stated club on transfer market in 2021-2022. Oviedo did play quite a bit for the Costa Rican national team, nearly 1,000 minutes. But, I mean, not having a club, it's kind of your day-in, day-out job. Kind of strange, kind of strange. You don't see that very often, but you do see that pretty often with RSL signings because we do our best to search in the bargain bin for pieces that we can hopefully turn into something slightly better than bargains. Unfortunately, I do not see any of these signings being more than depth pieces when I believe the team really needed high-end, top-end, expensive talent. I think that is what actually makes us a better team, and I think that's what this roster and 
the current place in the standings indicates that we need. If you want to really get down in the dumps, maybe this is a little preview for our LAFC review. Christian Arango would go on to score two goals against us and look really good doing it. He scored one of the nastiest little flicks I've ever seen in like the eight yard box, if we can call it that just outside the six. And then he would go on to score just a really good poachers goal in the second half. And unfortunately, if you're an RSL fan that follows the rumor mill quite heavily, you would know that Christian Arango was being shopped by LAFC in the transfer market. They just brought in a new designated player. They have to get one off the books relatively soon. And so Christian Arango was floated to other MLS teams. And so if you're sitting there thinking RSL needs a striker, RSL doesn't have a number nine that's consistently putting away goals. I wonder if RSL looked at a guy like Christian Arango. Boy, do I have an answer for you. I asked that very thing in the press conference following the game against LAFC because Pablo Mastroeni said himself that LAFC had some killers in front of goal. And so I asked, being the inquisitive mind that I am, was Christian Arango one of the targets for RSL during the transfer window? And what, to my surprise, Pablo Mastroeni looks at me and he says, he was definitely a guy we looked at. Radio silence. And then kind of jokingly, I said, that it? And he said, Yep. And then gave one of the most endearing smiles I've ever seen in my entire life. Like he wanted so deeply to talk deeper about that answer, but has probably been been guided and perhaps told to maybe just leave it at that, which makes sense. Clearly, we didn't get him. Clearly, that was a mistake. Clearly, he is very, very good at soccer. And clearly, it hurt us directly that he is not on our roster tonight. If you are very interested in transfer rumor, transfer talks, transfer window saga, all of that sort of stuff, I'm going to direct you now to the Royal Riot podcast, an RSL podcast that I was featured on just two days ago. It dropped on Friday, and we got really long-winded about the transfer window. That was the whole point of the reason I came on, was to just do a little nice roundtable about where we were all at, how we were all feeling. So in that we talk really deeply about these signings, about the impact they have for the team. You get a couple different perspectives, some more optimistic than mine, which could be fun listens. And we'd go into a little bit more of the David Ochoa stuff. So if you're really looking for all of that, that's where you're going to find it. If I could condense all of that hour and 30 some odd minute, I think, podcast down to about 30 seconds, I would say, and I would reiterate that my grade for this transfer window for RSL, it was a solid D+. Plus. I think there is an argument to be made that the roster is actually worse than it was three months ago, losing David Ochoa, losing Chris Cablan, losing Everton Louise, and losing Jonathan Menendez and replacing them with Danny Musovsky, Brian Ojeda, and Brian Oviedo. I mean, there is a distinct possibility that we actually got worse. I think there is a lot of potential in this guy like Brian Ojeda from Forest. I'm Nottingham Forest. Do people call him Forest? I don't know. I don't know that he is at all a major impact for the rest of this season. I think genuinely, when you look at our roster, he's probably coming in and he's pushing Scott Caldwell and Nick Beasler for minutes. I don't think he starts over either Pablo Ruiz or Jasper Loffelson, especially with how much Pablo seems to trust those guys. And he's probably the best of the three signings. Danny Musovsky is currently injured. It will be, I think, probably available at best like two weeks from now. And even then, you've probably got to get game fitness because he's had a fairly long layoff at this point. And then a guy like Brian Oviedo hasn't played in a year for a club team. And that's a lot to ask of a guy to come in and play as a 32-year-old and immediately slot back into his starting lineup. So I expect Andrew Bodie to maintain his spot as well. So these are really, at best, I think, depth pieces, which 
as were Everton Louise, Chris Cablon, David Ochoa, and Jonathan Menendez. And I think there's a genuine argument to be made that Johnny Menendez is probably better than Danny Musaski is right now. And perhaps even Everton is better right now than Brian Oviedo is, or Ojeda. So dang, man, the roster might've actually gotten worse. I don't know how you can grade this anything other than a D plus. I, I mean, maybe I would give you a C, but when you look at the transfers we got in the winter window, namely Sabarino, Anderson, Julio, and Diego Luna, all three of those players, the worst player out of that is better than the best player that we got in the summer. So how can you in good conscience tell me that it's good conscious, good conscience, good conscience, tell me that it is anything other than an absolutely failed window. And I think that comes down to a lot of things. And for me, the biggest, the biggest indicator uh, of the transfer window and the way that it played out is probably, com- I guess indicator is the wrong word, but I just feel that the front office and the ownership got extremely complacent in this window. When we were initially pitched Gustavo Cuellar as the capstone of this transfer saga, and then we end up with Danny Musaski, man, Danny Moose from LAFC. That's quite a steep fall off. And when you look around the league, just peek around the corner to the Eastern Conference and you see DC United has signed a former Blitzer umbrella player and Christian Benteke to come in and hopefully immediately score goals for them. You have to wonder about the lack of ambition from RSL. I kind of joked on this podcast quite a bit that I think Christian Benteke to RSL was something that should have happened. I mean, I don't, (laughs) I'm not going to pretend to follow Crystal Palace enough to actually, you know, definitively say that he would be a great designated player signing, but he would certainly be better than anyone else RSL currently has on the roster. And I don't think that's, that's uh, hyperbolic to say in the slightest. So it is frustrating to see other teams making these big money moves when RSL sits back and uh, maintains the old team is the star mentality, which I think is a pretty piss poor excuse for complacency in the front office and in ownership. And for, especially for an ownership group that has come in and used the word ambition so many times and trophies and championships. They said all of these great things in their initial press conference. And I don't think we have seen anything really to back that up. I mean, when the complaints with Deloitte Hansen for so long were that he never spent money and he actually spent enough to bring Jefferson Savarino into the club. And then we bring that guy back. I don't know that there's any more ambition there than we have seen in the past. And that was our complaints for so many years. So until they prove to me that they are more ambitious than the previous regime and that they are ambitious enough to actually change the culture and change the dynamics of the club in transfer windows, I have to believe that they are not. I have to believe that they are not ambitious until they prove otherwise. But I digress. Again, if you want more transfer talk, go to the Royal Riot Pod. I spent a lot of time on there. I got really deep into the weeds. Hayden and LD really kept me in line in that conversation. And I think that is probably the best discourse and the most deeply rooted discourse I'm going to have on this transfer window for some time. Solid D+. Plus. Uh after this LAFC game looks probably closer to an F plus if those exist, do those exist. I don't think you can get an F plus. You can't get an F plus a fails a fail, right? Yeah. Okay. I never dabbled too much with F's, but not, well, I kind of did. I almost failed high school because I never turned in my language arts work senior year, but I got it all turned because he didn't take off points for late work. If you don't take off points for late work and like, don't be upset when I turn in a whole terms worth of work late, but I digress. 
I was talking about uh, spending a lot of money on players, and there's no better team to point to an example of that than one LAFC who trounced RSL at home at the riot four to one in front of a, as we have already mentioned, capacity crowd, which I don't know, is it capacity if the capacity changes? Is it a sellout if you can actually sell out more tickets than you have in the past? I don't know. That's a good question to ask for somebody that I don't know probably would give you an answer that you don't like but Sergio Cordova scored in the 12th minute for RSL and that was all the fun we had everything else was LAFC Christian Arango scored in the 9th and the 60th Kellen Acosta in the 17th and Gareth Bale if you've ever heard of him in the 87th minute on a run and goal that is probably on one of the all-time low light reels for Justin Glad absolutely danced around him sprinted right by him and then tucked it home in a pretty fantastic finish. And then he ran like 60 yards to celebrate with his teammates on the bench. And man, I'm sure MLS HQ was just loving that because man, not a better advertisement for the league than Gareth Bale, just walking all over a guy and then celebrating hard with his teammates. Giorgio Chiellini noted handball specialist in this game. And uh, Carlos Vela, who was incredibly quiet in this game. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having a star player like Carlos Vela be very quiet on a game you win 4-0 on the road against one of the best home teams in MLS. What an absolute life to live that would be. Not to mention they brought off or they brought on Gareth Bale from the bench in the 63rd minute. Can you imagine? You're up 3-1 on the road and you get to bring Gareth Bale off the bench. It's just unfair. It's just simply unfair. And I don't want to sound like I'm just singing the praises of LAFC just for no reason, but I mean it was bad. <sighs> But it wasn't all that hot, man. I I really wish I had Ethan here with me to kind of kind of balance me out a little bit because I feel so conflicted about this game. A part of me feels actually kind of cautiously optimistic because in the post game pressers, Pablo would go on as Pablo does to mention that the game he really breaks down in moments and in moments we weren't clinical enough and in moments LAFC were killer finishers, as he said. And a part of me actually believes it this time. There were so many chances for RSL to get this game 2-2. And if they could, it really is a completely different game. Pablo Ruiz hits the bar from about 45 yards out. There's a set piece corner sort of thing that kind of dribbles around the box. Justin Miram can't get a final toe to it and can't get it over the line if that happens. I think this game looks a lot different at 2-2 than it does at 3-1 because they would go down the field and score just moments later after that chance. And it's frustrating because a part of me actually genuinely believes that this team could have turned a corner in this result and they failed to. I think one of the things that I really don't want to be lost in this game is that Sergio Cordova probably had his best half for RSL ever in this first half. He was lively. He was able to combine and with players behind. He had one of the ni- like nicest flicks I've ever seen. He like almost looked like a dummy, but he gave a little flick onto Savarino, who probably should have scored from the position in the box. And to cap it off, I mean, he had one of the best turns and finishes we've seen from an RSL player this year in a very tight space. Well, I mean, the defender gave him a couple feet because he probably didn't expect it, but he takes the ball, turns with his left foot and smashes it home in the bottom right corner. It was to the keeper's right if you're really going to get into semantics, but uh it was awesome. It was really cool. And he looked really good. He even looked decent in the air too at times. And I think part of that is probably due to his partnership with Anderson Julio in this game, which I actually think worked to a strange or to a weird degree. Those two don't seem like a match made in heaven, but for some reason it kind of, it it worked for me. It was 
you know, the threat of Anderson Julio in behind kind of kept the center backs a little bit deeper, which allowed Sergio Cordova a little bit more time on the ball. And I think that's something that we see in his goal. I think they are spotting him a couple more feet than they would had it been somebody else next to him that they would probably want to play a little bit tighter. And I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. And I asked Pablo in the postgame presser what he thought of the partnership up top. And he was a little bit cooler on Anderson's performance than I think I was. There were still some complaints that he had, or at least some frustrations that he displayed about the way that Anderson was able to not get in behind, I guess. He said there were often little nicks or bumps or pushes that kept him from really getting in behind. And for me, I still think he was able to offer enough that he probably deserves another start. But at what cost in this game? And to my expertise of lineup building, I put out the lineup with Jefferson Savarino on the right wing, Anderson Julio and Sergio Cordova up top, which is exactly what we saw despite despite the team putting out a graphic that had Anderson Julio on the right wing and Jefferson Savarino and Sergio Cordova up top together. That was false. That was false. And if I can guess that, so can MLS coaches around the league. So just start putting out the own, your own lineup graphic, please. Please, I am literally begging. But no, so if you want accurate lineup information, come to me because I am a better guesser than whoever puts that sheet together for RSL. So uh, yeah, come to my Twitter and you will find some some fantastically accurate lineup graphics despite no insider knowledge and just based off vibes. But I digress once more. I thought their partnership looked decent up top. However, you kind of lost a little bit of Savarino, which is what has been the problem for him in this RSL setup. And it's something that Pablo Mastermani has hinted at and spoken directly to at times in post-game press conferences is that if you put Ander, or excuse me, Jefferson Savarino on the wing, he's going to want to drift centrally just to get on the ball. And then you lose a little bit of his of the width for the team. And that's kind of what I think we saw in this game. There were also times he was very much isolated on an Island, despite Aaron Herrera, probably having one of his better games of the season as well. So if you can't find a way to get him involved on the wing and you've got to bring him centrally, and then you've probably got to sacrifice Anderson Julio for the likes of a Michael Chang. But I don't know. This game definitely felt like an instance of things were not going right in the past. So they had to change up something. And that something was Michael Chang in favor of, uh, or excuse me, Anderson Julio in favor of Michael Chang. And I think, I think it makes sense to a large degree. I liked that they went out and tried something. I think again, that first half, we really did have our chances in this one. We just weren't able to put them in the back of the net, which unfortunately is a thing that players that are very expensive and cost a lot of money in transfer fee are able to do. And that is what we learned the hard way. We had 16 shots, but only three on target. And of course, only the one goal LAFC had 14 shots and eight on target. And of course the four goals, they were incredibly lethal in front of goal and we paid the price and you know, old Kyle, old Kyle Sipple had a pretty great tweet that, uh, sometimes the star is the star in response to the team is the star TIFO put up by RSL. Sometimes the stars are the stars. And that was, that was just the case tonight. And I think a lot of that, I think, I think there's going to be a lot more discourse about RSL trying to do this whole roster build in a very cheap way on the Twitter sphere. And I think it's going to be deserved. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of the things I have seen and have heard and have participated in, in discussions is that, well, LAFC is one of the best teams in the league. And boy, howdy, do I have news for you? Do you know the types of teams you have to beat to win MLS cup? I will wait. You have to beat the best teams in the league. 
And this performance, especially at home, proves to me that we are nowhere near actually competing and actually beating the best teams in the league. And if that is not what we are trying to do, if that is not the goal of this team, what are we doing? I said this a week ago, and I'll say it again. I don't think any of the three signings changed the outcome of this game at all. Danny Musovsky, Brian Ojeda, Brian Oviedo. If all three of those start in play today, which they won't because they were signed at the very end of the transfer window, so they have to have two weeks of visa issues to probably pay or visa paperwork to get sorted out. And Danny Musovsky's got a two week layoff due to injury. So the best we'll see them is probably in, you know, two, three games from now. If we had seen them today, I don't think this result changes at all. None of those three have a proven track record of actually being difference, impactful difference makers. And that is what we needed in this game. And that is what we lacked. And so what is the point? We are told so often that it's hard to sign players in the winter window because uh, leagues outside of MLS are currently in the middle of their seasons and it's hard to pry players away during that difficult time. Okay, understandable. But then we're told in the summer transfer window this very week that it's actually easier to sign players in the winter window. And that's when we expect to do our damage this year. What's going on? Clearly, these are just excuses. These are these are tired excuses we've heard for years now. Clearly, other teams have figured out a way to sign impactful players. And not only can they sign impactful players, they can do it at the start of the window. And so they don't have to wait this prolonged period to actually get impact out of the players that they sign. It was a shambolic window. It was a horrible, horrible window for RSL. And I hate to see it painted in any other light because we did not sign a single impact player in this window. Not a single one. All three of those players start today, and the result for me is still four to one. None of them have proven to be anything other than the players that we currently already have. (sighs) And that's why I think the discourse around RSL being cheap and shopping in the bargain bin is going to intensify and for good reason. (sighs) Because this game was simply not good enough. And for a team to lose like this at home and to still have frustration with fans that want and expect more is also really frustrating for me to kind of partake in that those sorts of discussions. Wanting more from the team is not being overly negative. Not being okay with mediocrity is not being a bad fan. Wanting the team to actually invest in the roster and being upset when they don't and taking issue with their stated goal of just hoping to make the playoffs or being better than where the MLS analysts quote unquote posted us at the beginning of the year in like 10th to 14th, wanting to just be a little bit better than that is not good enough. This team got so much mileage and the social medias and, you know, everyone affiliated with the club got so much mileage out of us being quote unquote in the supporter shield hunt about two months ago for what, for absolutely what there is no reason that you can say we are in the supporter shield hunt and then be frustrated when fans are frustrated about a poor transfer window or a poor state of a roster or a horrible performance at home. If you were going to pretend that those are the standards that you seek to actually achieve, if you were going to pretend that you actually care or invest in the supporter shield, you cannot be upset when teams hold you to that standard. It's a lot like my frustrations with the way the team approached the U S open cup. If you tell me as a fan that you actually care about the result in the Open Cup, and then you go out and you consistently prove to me that you don't by fielding a lineup of teenagers and Monarchs players that have no interest or no expertise playing together, and then you lose to a team playing their fourth ever competitive match 
from a third division at home, if you lose that game, I have to hold you to the standard that you actually cared about that game because you told me that you did. You told me that you cared about winning that game. And if you lose that game, I have to hold you to that standard. And that is how I feel about this current run from RSL. If you are going to pretend or you're going to say that you are interested in winning Supporter Shield or you are happy that you're in the Supporter Shield race or that you're happy you're in a top four playoff spot because that gets you a home game, I have to imagine that you're telling me the truth and I have to hold you to that standard. And when you dip below that standard, like a 4-1 loss at home indicates that you did, fans should rightfully be upset. And that's not to say fans should always be mad. I don't want you to live your life in some sort of, you know, rage at, at anything RSL does. And I, I think that's where a lot of this discourse gets gets a little bit muddy is any criticisms come off as overly negative when in fact it's actually the opposite, which uh, I didn't want to say because it sounds, you know, like it's just an excuse for being negative. But I think wanting more from the club is not being negative. Wanting better results, wanting to actually compete with the best teams in the league is not being negative. That's being, in my mind, that's actually being, you know, optimistic. That's wanting the absolute best and expecting the best because they want you to think that they want the same. And man, it just gets to me. It gets to me. I mean, as happy as I am for how many sellouts, I would really rather we tout on social media the performances of the team and the ambition of the club in other aspects but i digress once more on this podcast uh, especially because i really do like the sellouts and i think they're great for the team but that's enough on the lafc game i know it probably wasn't much actually in retrospect but i don't want to talk about it do you i, I mean i'm not really like yeah we got lit up at home and like the narrative is still that we played pretty well and Unfortunately, I kind of actually, in my heart of hearts, believe that narrative because I think there was enough to show that it was an improved performance upon, oh, man, am I really saying that it's an improved performance despite losing 4-1? I sound like a coach that lost 4-1 today, don't I? Because I am. And man, even in our game, even an old CFC game, like I really thought we lost just in moments. Referee called a really bad handball. He had both hands tucked into his chest and he turns and he hits. It was horrible. It was a bad call. But I didn't say anything because I appreciate refs and all that they do. And, uh, man, yeah, dang. Wasn't a handball though. <sighs> this is becoming the lecture podcast. So I need to hurry up and get out of here. It's also 1238. Hey, also RSL, man, if you say 8 PM kickoff and the league site says 8 PM kickoff and ESPN says 8 PM kickoff, and then it's an 834 kickoff, like, come on, come on. We all know what you're doing. You just want fans in the seats for the start of the game. Like I get it. Everybody gets it. It's cool. Like it was a nationally televised game. You wanted the stadium to look packed. It was packed. Come on. Come on. Don't lie to us like that. Uh, but yeah, LAFC game. We got smacked. If you want to hear more about that, I don't know. Listen to one of the other myriad MLS podcasts that will, or RSL podcasts that will talk about it or wait till Ethan's off paternity leave and I'll be in a better mood and I could talk to him about it. And uh, yeah, yeah. On to, luckily for RSL, everybody, the schedule gets way easier. Oh, just kidding. I'm actually wrong. The schedule continues to be extremely brutal for this team. Guess who we have next, folks? Take a gander. Take a gander. Where do we always play really well in a team that never would ever be described as having our number or having any inside information on what we like to do or this style of play we in, in uh 
implement in our teams. Oh, we're playing Seattle on the road in Seattle on Sunday, the 14th. Seattle currently sit eighth in the Western Conference standings with 32 points. That is just two points behind RSL's 34. And boy, howdy, RSL has now won just two of their last 10 matches and sit just two points above Seattle and the playoff line. So this one is going to be, how do you say, nervy. I think I think that's the best way to describe it. Seattle lost on a stoppage time Golazo in Atlanta today. And so that was very good for us, as were pretty much the other MLS standing or MLS schedule, MLS games around the league. Western Conference teams lost, and that was awesome. Or they tied, and that was also awesome. So uh, yeah, pretty much the best we could have asked for in that regard. But no, the schedule continues to be really brutal. We're going to play Seattle in Seattle. I am setting my sights pretty, or my expectations for that one pretty low. Obviously, none of the signings will be expected to take part in that game. So the roster is the roster. And I look at it and I don't know what you change. You can sub in Rubio Rubin for one of the forwards up top if you wanted to. But I don't know that there's a lot of evidence that would suggest that you do want to do that. I think he's probably worth a shot. But I also understand the folks that say he's probably not. And I think Pablo is one of those folks. And I don't really see him changing it up. I think if you really wanted to get wild, you could go to that 3-4-3 that I love so much with Justin Glad, Eric Holt, Marcelo Silva in the back, Jasper Loffelson, Pablo Ruiz in the middle. You could even throw a Diego Luna on the left wing like he saw for the Monarchs, maybe a Michael Chang on the right. Up top, you've got Sergio Cordova flanked by, oh, I don't know, Jefferson Savarino and Justin Merriman. Bada bing, bada boom. You've got a much more dynamic lineup than you've got in this kind of Dull and dreary 4-4-2, but probably won't see it. It'll probably be the 4-4-2. My guess is Michael Chang comes back on to the right. Savarino goes back up top with Sergio Cordova, who will probably hopefully be good again because, man, he really did have a really good 45 minutes to start this game, and he just looked up for it. He looked up for it. It was it was, it was was a good game from him. Sergio, no longer Snordova. Can't call him Snordova this week. He's officially Sergio Scordova until he comes out and we – get shut out in Seattle and he probably misses a sitter or two. Just kidding. He'll, he, I mean, he was great tonight, so can't, can't really blame it on him. He, he gave it his all that Sergio Cordova, but yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at Seattle in Seattle. And if you were going to guess a prediction, I would love to hear it because mine is RSL loses three zero. I was one goal off. Gareth Bale had to go and destroy my one perfect prediction. I have yet I have yet, my friends, to get a perfect three points on the prediction standings from one game, which is where I predict the result and the scoreline correctly. I was so close. I I was sitting on 3-1 RSL loss, and then Gareth Bale had to go ruin it all. I'm currently six points in the prediction standings. Ethan is 16, which means he does indeed earn the naming rights to his uh, now-born child. And uh, they picked a pretty good name. So happy, happy for him there, you know. Hopefully... I can really make a big comeback and then win that $25 gift card to the team store. But I'm not, I'm not, I don't see that in the cards. Ethan predicts a two, one RSL loss. And yeah, so neither of us are very optimistic on that one. And can you really blame us? Can you really blame us? Seattle is not exactly on a tear, but around this time of year, pretty much every year is when they tend to go on one. So if there was ever going to be a get right game for Seattle, it's probably this one. And that strikes fear in me. And I think it should probably strike fear in you too. But we've won there before in the playoffs very recently. So perhaps, perhaps that's a possibility. That's pretty much all I've got for us today. 
I mean, a player to watch in Seattle, I don't know, watch all 11 of them. But if you had to watch really one, I would say Diego Luna. I really hope he starts. I think it's it's got to be about time. There keeps seeming to be like pushbacks because they don't want, I mean, he started in Atlanta, but goes 45 because we're getting killed. He, you know, comes on for like 15 in this game. Doesn't really have enough time to actually make an impact. Throw him out there, see what he can do. Hope for the best. Seattle's a tough place to play, but he'll figure it out or he won't. And life goes on. But yeah, those are my thoughts on Seattle. It's probably going to be a bad one, uh, but I'm hoping it's better. And I'm hoping some like fun news comes out about RSL this week or something, but I guess we will see. It is officially 1243 AM. You've been listening to me on the lecture rant pod for 36 minutes now. So uh, thank you for listening. If you've made it this far in the episode, I am glad to have you. Hopefully Ethan is back relatively soon, but not too soon. Cause you know, he should really take this time with his, with his child and his wife. But uh, yeah, hopefully soon ish for my sake. And we will see you all next RSL Sunday. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to go follow me on Twitter, it's at Alex Maurer. If you'd like to follow the hive or Ethan, figure it out on your own. Cause they're not here to plug it today. So haha. And uh, if this was your first time ever listening to the podcast, Thank you, first of all. And second of all, probably go listen to some other ones with Ethan that are in a little bit more chipper attitude because I feel really bad for just just ranting and raving at you guys for so long. But yeah, thank you for coming. We will see you next week. Hasta la vista. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school. So check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.